4: to help you improve your mindset, your leadership, and your team performance. To me, our mindset is the next frontier, so let's find out why. Hi everyone, it's Jeremy here and I hope this podcast finds you safe and well wherever you are in the world. It's hard to believe how quickly this virus has spread and shut down our economies, our businesses, our schools, and life as we know it. So many of my clients are struggling to come to terms with the change in uncertainty, so I recently ran a webinar for around 350 of them to share seven key strategies to help turn this crisis into a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. It's called The Great Pause, and as ever, it features fascinating insights from our digital library with famous sports coaches, neuroscientists, and wellbeing experts to help you thrive. I really wanted to make this available for you as a special edition podcast. Apologies for the sound quality not being quite as good as normal, but I really hope you find the content and strategies helpful wherever in the world you are listening to this. So here it is, The Great Pause. Hello, everyone. I just wanted to say a quick hello and welcome you to this Winning Mindset session. And what we're going to cover off is a little bit of background about Sporting Edge and myself for those who who don't know us. We're going to outline some of the current challenges that we're all facing during this time. And it really is a a remarkable time for all of us in sport and business and education. And we're also going to look at some of the winning mindset strategies from our research and our digital library as we walk through this next session. A little bit of background. Where did Sporting Edge start? Well, it probably started in a moment of complete failure, if I'm being honest. Uh, This picture bottom left is me playing as an England cricketer out in India and choking in front of 120,000 people at Eden Gardens in Calcutta. One of the biggest nights for England, a huge crowd, and they needed a hero to step up and win the game for England. Well, very sadly, after running out Freddie Flintoff and then playing the worst shot of my life, uh, I had this picture taken by Getty Images, which is really a snapshot Um, of a moment where I thought, who was that? What was that shot? Um, You know, I'd been talking so much in so many meetings about clear strategies and game plans, but in this moment of madness, my emotions got the better of me, the pressure got the better of me. And unlike all those other moments that had helped me to get to be an international cricketer over those 19 years and the time being a good domestic player winning those moments, I actually lost that moment when it really mattered and it wasn't the crowd that beat me it wasn't india that beat me it wasn't that brilliant bowler in Harbhajan Singh that beat me the biggest shame for me was that i beat myself and um, you know those doubts in my own head and those mistakes that i would made i couldn't shake those off and that made me then make another mistake and that was the end of that game so that really set me off on a quest to start trying to understand the mindset of high performance and what is it that these elite performers are doing that allow them to think clearly under pressure? So after studying a master's degree at Loughborough University in sports psychology, it really gave me an opportunity to start working with some incredible people and teams. So the first job that I got while I was actually still captain of Leicestershire cricket was to go out and support the inaugural Indian Premier League where the billionaires of India brought all the best players together into an auction bought the best players or their favorite players and stuck them all in a room wearing a different colored shirt and that was the beginning of the IPL in 2008 and our captain was Shane Warne and I was asked to be one of the coaches so to win that first tournament with Rajasthan was an incredible experience in bringing a diverse team from all around the world together to deliver something special that then led on to coaching the South African cricket team, and and they went from number four to number one in the world with a really diverse group of players from seven different cultural groups within South Africa. So a fascinating experience with them. And then I know we've got many of the top level football managers on the line today, and I'm very privileged to be a non-exec director at the LMA, which looks after a lot of the uh, welfare and and leadership challenges that the, the leaders and the managers face in that environment. So I often deliver the workshops for those groups and it's great to have so many of you on the line. And then I also got a chance to work with Eddie Jones, the England rugby coach, as he moved over to England to set up this new era for the game in in the UK. And he's had a profound effect, obviously just falling short at the World Cup, but a brilliant coach and a fantastic high performance environment for me to learn from. So both from my playing career and my Coaching career, I've had the chance to get close to some of these incredible people the neuroscientists, the elite performers in cricket, rugby, football, the brilliant coaches, the well being experts, and all of those fitness experts that sit around this high performing group. Um, and I've actually spoken to each of them in turn and interviewed them to try and find their real life stories and their strategies of success and failure to try and understand how they've not only got to the top of their fields, but how they've stayed there. And I've distilled that down with my team of learning experts and sports psychology experts into a digital library that now supports thousands of managers and leaders around the world. So we've been inundated with calls over the last uh, week or two where we've got this remarkable remote working situation where thankfully we've built this digital resource over the last 10 years and it's now supporting people, which is absolutely brilliant. And our view on this is that these challenges that we currently face as individuals have all been faced by people in the past about fear and uncertainty and building teams and communication. So if we can listen to the experts from maybe RADA, the acting school or the Cirque du Soleil or some neuroscientists or well-being experts, then that helps us than in our offices or our homes at the moment to think slightly differently about these situations and it helps us to move forward. So I'll be sharing some of the insights from this video library as we walk through this session. And I'll also share some of the corporate experiences. And as I say, if you've got any questions, um, then I'd be more than happy to try and support you with that. But our client group is incredibly diverse and, and we work all over the world, whether it's keynote speeches, or workshops with senior leaders or delivering these digital learning strategies so for me it's all about our mindset and i think we've all got this mental breaking point and our cultures have got these challenges and if we can look outside of our own businesses to learn from the high performers then it's a great starting point for fresh insights and innovative thinking so this situation that we currently face is completely unprecedented i mean I don't think there's ever been a time where the world has completely shut down and, and come to a standstill. And just the speed of transmission of this virus is incredible. We hear that, I was looking at the stats last night, that you know half a million cases around the world with over 23,000 deaths, uh, we're hearing about it in all of our cities, and all of our towns, right around the world, wherever you're tuning in from today. This is a, a rapid pace global issue. And to think that we all thought we were so bulletproof with our Western world, with the, the big businesses and the big economies and the stock exchanges and the political systems. And they've all come to a grinding halt. And, you know, never before has there been such a period of uncertainty right across the world. Some some sectors have had it. Some countries have had it with national disasters. But this is really going right across the world and, and we're all in the same boat together. So we need to find a solution together. And that's some of the elements we're going to look at today. So as I mentioned, we're going to look at our digital performance zone library, pull out some of the insights, and hopefully you can make some notes or internalize these insights and start reflecting as you sit in isolation. But actually, you're connected here with over 200 people logged into this particular session. And the first insight that I wanted to share, I'm not going to share the uh, full audio and video with you, but was from John Coates. And, and I had the chance to meet John after reading some of his research. He was a trader at Goldman Sachs in New York, but became increasingly fascinated about why um, why the traders were changing their behavior based more on their emotions, actually, than the market conditions. And in one of his interview insights, he tells us that there are three key factors in setting up the stress response. And that's novelty, uncertainty and uncontrollability. Now, if we think about this current COVID-19 context, we've got a completely new situation. We've got absolute uncertainty about how far, how widespread, how long this is gonna go on. And so many of the elements involved here are out of our control. So this is almost the perfect recipe for stress. And I know it's a pivotal time for people in isolation, disconnected from their loved ones, disconnected from that normal routine and those normal rhythms around our working days. So it's absolutely critical that we optimize our own mental health, but importantly, start to look out for those people in our network or our neighborhood that might be struggling with isolation. It's very easy to put on a brave face, but actually, it's really important that we're looking out for people and just checking in on them to make sure that this holy trinity of the stress response here isn't affecting them negatively with so much time at home. So these elements set up the stress response and it's really interesting to think that novelty, uncertainty and uncontrollability all trigger this stress response because our brain was actually built hundreds of thousands of years ago for safety long periods of calm in the savannah and this this occasional trigger of the fight and flight response, which would have been to a predator. But now we've got this new context, which makes us think about short term survival for ourselves. And it's this primitive wiring that forces us to think selfishly and short term, which is causing so many of the bad behaviours that we've seen in our recent media. So we've all seen this sort of selfish scarcity mindset of stockpiling in our supermarkets around the world. We've seen people selfishly going into uh, public areas and still getting together in large groups of people right across the world because to them in that moment, that's what seems most important. And we also saw if you're in the UK, the nurse who finished a 12 or 13 hour shift, saving some of these people who were in you know, terrible situations in the emergency uh, care units of the hospital, and she got out of her shift, tried to go to the supermarket, and the the shelves were bare. So it really does, as all pressure does, highlight the best in people and the worst in people, and we've certainly seen that. But I thought I'd contrast that with an uh, an older school um, element of the great plague So this was back in 1665, another UK example here of Eam in Derbyshire. So this was the great plague that killed over 100,000 people in London. It was absolutely catastrophic. But this small uh, village in rural Derbyshire, the tailor ordered some cloth to be sent up from one of the merchants in London and little did they know that it, it was infested with fleas that had got the Great Plague as part of it. And when the tailor's assistant put the the cloth by the fire to dry, the fleas jumped onto him and contaminated him. And he was the first to die in this village in just 48 hours. And over 250 of the 300 villagers were killed in a short period of time in Eam in Derbyshire with the Great Plague. But it was really interesting because the local vicar, um, William Mompasson, was the person who had the foresight and the selflessness to say he recognized how rapidly this was spreading and said that all the villagers needed to stay within the village walls to stop the spread. So again, their selfish short-term urge would be to run off into the hills, to run off into the neighboring towns for to seek shelter, but actually the virus was within the, the walls of the village. And by staying there and for the remaining Uh, villages that survived it and had that immunity, 100 people survived. But that selfless act and that long-term thinking and that leadership really helped to stop the spread of the disease right through the north of England. So it's really important to think not only about the leadership that um, Monpassan showed at that time, but I think something that's massively underestimated in our societies at the moment is followership. So we've all been asked by our governments to act in a certain way, to go into lockdown and stop these social gatherings. And imagine if the people of Eam in Derbyshire hadn't been great followers. You know, there's so much to be said there for being a great follower in this time and doing what's right, not just for ourselves in the short term, but for our communities and societies in the long term. So that powerful story from the great plague has so much resonance with what we're all experiencing today as we follow these rules and and get the social distancing and the isolation that we've got in our own homes. But maybe we should think about this not as the great plague so much, but the great pause, because I don't think there's ever been a time in our lives when the whole world has stopped, whole global industries have stopped, whole cities have stopped. And this is not only a threat for us, but it's also an opportunity. It's so surreal, you know, for those of us isolated in our homes, there's no traffic, there's no movement, we're not going too far by the day. And and this pause is opening up a completely different dimension in time, and it's giving us the chance to reflect. And what I want to talk about today is how we can use the great global pause to our advantage through thinking about our mindset, our performance, our relationships, our skills, and managing our energy. So that's where we're going to start to look through in terms of the content. And it's very easy when we've got novelty, uncertainty, and uncontrollability in our lives to start thinking about, you know, the things that are way out of our control. So this very simple model from sports psychology is breaking this into three sections. The areas where we have no control or influence, and you can see that's things like the recession, or the uh, government policy, or a vaccine development, unless, of course, you work in pharmaceuticals, that's completely out of our control. But if we're watching the news six times a day, and it's on live feed, then this is where the majority of our emotion and our focus goes. And it's, it's a complete waste of our energy. And then we move down to this area that we can't control, but we can actually influence. And this is much more in our local areas, within our houses, within our families, within our networks, and having that calmness when we go out into the shops to stop that panic and stop that buying and and reinforcing that social distancing that's gonna be so important to um, halting this terrible disease. And the third area, which is absolutely in our control and where our winning mindset comes from, is thinking about what can I do? What can I do when I'm in control? So it's so uh, important to think about, I often talk to sports teams about everyone's so desperate to win, W-I-N. But we've got to think about what's important now, what's important next? What can I do in the next five minutes, ten minutes, next hour that can make a difference here? And this is where we start to think about our own hygiene choices, how much we watch the news, maybe our own well-being and, and productivity, and also that selfless support for our communities. So we really need to be thinking that instead of 90% of our focus out on those things that we can't control or influence, that we dial up this focus in our daily routine of 70% of the elements we focus on are are in our control. We allow some of our focus to go onto those things we can influence, but we really dial down the elements that we can't control or influence because that really is going to sap our energy and and it's going to be a vicious spiral for us. So let's start to think about some of the strategies here as we walk through the content. And I also think the great pause is gonna give us this opportunity to reflect. And one of the things that we've learned from the research into the high performers is how they use goal setting consistently through their lives to recalibrate where they want to get to. And maybe this is an opportunity for us. So we're gonna hear now from Frank Lampard Talking about the role that goal setting has played in his life, in his career.
1: Setting goals is the only way to do that. I mean, I used to set them religiously, day after day, whether it be part part of the season. How many goals will I score this season? Uh, how many performances can I win? Player of the year? Can I get myself into the England team? Can I sustain myself in the England team? Can I go to the World Cup? Can I train better this week than I've trained last week? So they can be the most smallest goals, bigger goals. They can be a fact number of goals. They can be something that you can't is intangible. You can't actually say exactly what it is, but you know where you kind of want to get to. And once you get it, bang, what's next? What's the next goal? And it's as simple as that. And I I was superstitious uh in my football career to the point where I, I never wanted to to write down my goals because I kind of felt once I want to write them down I'm almost tempting fate that they won't happen. So I had them all in the head. And you can adjust around that. So they don't have to be Uh, Set in it's the beauty of putting them in your head, no one else knows about them. So if you you set that one, I want to get to that. I want to make that amount of good performances this year. Um, All of a sudden you realize you're falling short of that. Okay, well, you know what? I'll I'll address that. I'll change that goal slightly. That doesn't make me a bad person. That doesn't make this a bad year. That just means that I'm actively trying to make a difference. So, okay, now I've changed that goal. What do I need to do? I need to train harder. I need to become quicker. I need to go in the gym and become stronger and um, so goals should be a constant for me and, and I think it's this supersedes sport this is talking about life here I think we can set goals positive goals that we try and achieve and you just keep going, and going
4: so I love that insight not only because you can hear his passion for constantly setting goals this is not a time for the victim mindset where we feel like the world is against us you know this has come to you know, knock us off our successful uh, perch where we were. This is a massive challenge that so many people are facing. And as Frank said there, there's so many opportunities to recalibrate our goals. Maybe as a sales environment, if you're in the sales world or a business, you've got to recalibrate your forecasts for the year. You'll definitely need to do that in, in many industries during the pause. Maybe for you in your own career aspirations, you need to think about how you're going to recalibrate that. But I think more importantly, we start to visualize and start to set some shorter term goals as well as those long term goals. Often we're in a blur with work. We're going, you know, in our daily commute and and weeks and months and, and years fly by and we're still doing the same things. Well, maybe as you look out with this time that you've got at the moment, you start thinking, well, actually, I don't want to be doing this for another five years, 10 years, I'm actually going to start to think about a different life, a different plan, maybe living in a different country or working in a different industry. And it's starting to visualize that in Technicolor, which is what the champions do so vividly, so that they can almost sense every uh, emotion and the, the sights and sounds and smells that go with that successful new endpoint that they use to drive their choices in the short term. And i think i think for so many of us in this blur of working life we're, we're still living off the motivations that maybe we failed in our younger years and we're trying to prove people wrong or we're trying to prove that we're competent and actually this period has made us so much more aware of our own uh, mortality and, and maybe one of the ways to think about this is you know how do we want to be remembered how do we, what do we want to leave behind what's the impact that we want to have had on our industry and And more importantly, on those loved ones around us, because if we start thinking, you know, with the end in mind, as as Stephen Covey speaks about, then it can start to change the way we think about the choices in the short term. So what goals are you going to set? Not only those long term goals, but also those short term goals in the coming days and weeks to make sure that you feel like you've got purpose and you've also got something to aspire to in the longer term. That's absolutely part of the champion's mindset. So the third thing that we're all coping with is this complete disruption to our normal working day. Um, We've got this completely different rhythm. And one of the um, skill acquisition and learning experts that we interviewed from our Sporting Edge research is Professor Guy Claxton. And he talks about in his whole interview about different elements of the growth mindset, how our brain you know, builds new skills and wires new connections to learn new languages or music or, or foot, sporting skills. But in this particular insight, he's talking about the importance of our rhythms. And again, I
0: think it's got real relevance for us at the moment. The body thrives on rhythms. We don't do the same thing all the time. An athlete when they're training, tra- would train vigorously for two hours then have their ice bath, then have a rest, then have a meal, then sleep. We are, we are built of rhythms, rhythms with a whole lot of different tempi, some of them quite fast, some of them very slow. So our ability to, to be rhythmic, not just a rhythmic gymnast, but a rhythmic footballer, a rhythmic violinist, a rhythmic lecturer, is very critical. Even people in the throes of intellectual creativity, intellectual breakthroughs, will talk about, there's some interesting research on this, will talk about the rhythms of their day. They'll do hard, intellectual, purposeful work in the morning, but an equally important part of their their creative cycle is then to go and have a lunch and a walk after lunch and a little snooze before coming back to doing some more focused work in the late afternoon, for example. So, rest, recuperation, the ability to be quiet and to balance activity with quietness, focus with diffuseness, purposefulness with playfulness, the ability to play across those different rhythms and those different modes of being seem to be very important both for our learning but also for our pleasure for our fulfillment our basic happiness in life if you like just as human beings
4: so again i think that's got so much relevance for us to think about this jolt that we've had you know we've gone from this working rhythm i tried to visualize this uh, with my powerpoint slides with this idea of the old style, the old rhythm that many of you might have experienced where we're up at six o'clock in the morning, you know, we get ourselves showered and dressed, maybe a bit of time with the family. Many of you will have an hour's commute, you know, an hour and a half in some cases. And then we get off and we do these long blocks of work with back to back meetings, running up and down stairs and, and dashing in and out of meeting rooms, a quick bite, maybe at your desk another long shift in the afternoon and then this long period of commuting again before a period of family time and downtime as we go off to sleep later in the evening. But then many of us might have had the shock and this jolt that's come with the great pause in yes we're getting up but look at the area that's been slimmed down completely that commute has gone. Many of us are walking from our bedroom down into the kitchen and that's our you know, 30-yard commute or whatever. So we've got this completely different rhythm uh, to think about. Then we start our work at the the kitchen table or in the spare bedroom, and then the family arrive and and disrupt us a little bit. And it'd be very easy to see how we could work pretty much flat out through that period and then have the normal evening uh, there as well. So we need to think about how these... Periods that we've lost with our commute. Of course, I can't think that many people are, are missing that time on the uh, on the trains or or on the motorways where they're sitting in traffic. But this modern um, blended rhythm that we're experiencing this week is completely different, and it can completely throw us, especially people who love control, who love structure. Now we're in this completely chaotic environment with blurred lines between working family time meal times um, you know the commuting time has completely disappeared and I think it's really important that we take accountability for the way we structure our days because this re-entry phase if you like is so important where the commute might have been tough what it actually did was allow us to psychologically ramp up to our working day and prepare and climb down from the intensity of our working day back into the family environment. Now that's been cut to a walk down the stairs or a transition from one room to the next. So we might have got off a call with some of our work colleagues that hasn't gone particularly well. We've got big pressures on us at work. We walk through into the kitchen where the family are having breakfast, and all of a sudden we could spray them with the frustrations that we've got from what happened in the previous room. So we've got to be really self-aware and we've got to manage ourselves in these time frames because there's no doubt that in the green slide at the bottom here that we need this time to set ourselves up for success at the beginning of the day and think what our priorities are going to be and how we want to work around our family for that particular day's curriculum in our working schedule but then also importantly How are we gonna re-enter into the house, re-enter into that family unit, maybe three or four times a day as we walk through it? So I just wanted to share that with you because I think we need to be conscious of this because if we just go into it blindly, that's when we could um, have mistakes and start to contaminate that family environment with the frustrations we've got at work. And you'll also see that from the bottom example, we've got the opportunity here to shorten our day And that means to lengthen our nights. Now you will see lots of blogs of Hollywood superstars telling you to get up at four o'clock in the morning and do three gym sessions and four hours of meditation and yoga before breakfast. And while I think we'll come on to energy management in a moment, I think that is important. But when else in the world, in, in your lives, will you have the opportunity to sleep more? There's no commute. There's different pressures on our working day. So this could be the time when we actually start to get more sleep. So that working rhythm is absolutely critical. And I haven't got enough time to zoom into our digital library, but I'll just show you uh, or just to highlight a couple of the experts and their advice that might help you during this challenging time. So the futurist James Wallman talks about the importance of managing our screen time for ourselves. You know, are you constantly stuck to your news feed? Are you, you know, have you got your laptop on at work and you've got the TV on behind and social media flashing away? All of these things drain our energy. So we've got to watch that, especially with our children. So we need to set up those rules and have those build those partnerships and those agreements up front, because these are these are new times and they're set for new working rhythms, as Guy Claxton said. Secondly, from Deera Harris, who's a psychiatrist from Washington State uh, University School, medical school, talks about, you know, this task switching. Um, We've got to think about deep focus and maybe these, you know, focused bursts of energy on a particular task. And then we have time off where we perhaps walk around the garden or spend time with family. So we'd need to judge ourselves by our, our impact, not our busyness. Um, as we may have done in our our previous days. And Vin Walsh, this is quite cathartic, I think, to think that we don't need to stare at that spreadsheet all day to try and solve the problem. This top neuroscientist, Vin Walsh, talks about um, how these eureka moments of innovation and creative thinking can often come With what he calls offline processing, when we are going for a walk or we're doing something different in the the house or in the garden, that's often when our best ideas come through. I hope you're enjoying today's show. I just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to Sporting Edge's Members Club. It's an amazing opportunity to join our network of high performers from around the world. Over the last decade, we've created this pioneering library of video insights and performance strategies from the world's best thinkers and performers. But we've never really had a solution that gives you direct access to this whenever you need it. So when you become a member, you'll be able to access this incredible toolkit to boost your mindset and career on demand on any device. You'll hear from neuroscientists helping you to understand how your brain works, You'll be able to watch Olympians giving you inspirational stories and strategies to boost your resilience and rekindle your motivation. And you'll also hear from communication gurus as well as experts in business strategy and the future of the workplace. We'll introduce you to new experts every month and invite you to join exclusive online mastermind sessions with world-class coaches and performance experts. So here's how you can find out more.
3: During times of uncertainty and pressure, your mindset will be the key to your success. Sporting Edge members have unlimited personal access to hundreds of video insights and performance strategies to accelerate their personal and professional success. This is your chance to get powerful weekly micro-lessons from the world's best thinkers and performers from Elite Sport. You'll be able to connect with a global network of entrepreneurs, coaches, and senior executives on webinars, discussion forums, and events. Become a Sporting Edge member and get access to the world's best coaches on demand. For more information, visit www.sportingedge.com or email hello at sportingedge.com.
4: So if you're a coach, entrepreneur or executive looking for strategies to navigate the future with confidence, come and learn more about Sporting Edge Members Club at SportingEdge.com forward slash membership. I look forward to welcoming you to our high performance network. And I know many of you are working from home with kids and I'm sure, you know, I've got two girls aged 10 and 14 it's a critical time to try and get this balance right. So you've got age-dependent strategies. If you've got a toddler, then that picture that I showed earlier could be just like a complete kaleidoscope of colors uh, with very little time where you can leave them alone. But trying to replicate these areas of, or these periods of focus and recovery are really, really important. So maybe replicating the school day with maybe a 45-minute block and then a 15 or 30-minute break is not gonna achieve as much as they did at school, but these are new conditions and we need to uh, manage that. And maybe just setting up the uh, rules and regulations around your work calls that the kids might be around. And you know, we've all seen that video of the guy doing the work from home and his kids coming in on the crawl or behind. Um, you know, we've all seen those kind of interruptions. And I think that's just gonna be part and parcel and maybe part of the fun of, of what we're all trying to do at the moment. But I think the key thing, and I'm really trying this myself, is that when we are with our children, we give them our deep, undivided attention and that they know we're there for them because this is an incredibly disruptive time for them as well. So I mentioned at the beginning the importance of not feeling isolated. And and this goes for you and, and the people around you. So that's where we can start to think about our community. And we often think of the world's top sporting stars, the individual sports like tennis and golf being iconic individuals but as former number one uh, tennis star Annabel Croft who's now a top commentator tells us with uh, Andy Murray it's not always like that they actually have a great support team around them even these individuals. Andy since
5: he was about 15 or 16 and it's been incredible to watch how decisive he is in terms of who he picks to come into the team And it's a very tight knit team, but he was never afraid to take a new coach and and take out of them the information that he needed and then dispense with them. It's like, well, I've learned enough from you and thank you very much, I'm now moving on. And he was very young when he was doing that. I'm not sure I could have made those decisions, but um, you you could call it ruthless, but actually he knew what he needed to learn and he moved on very quickly and with quite quick succession through a few coaches actually. But he clearly felt he'd had enough information and it wasn't moving him on and he needed more i think he's one enormous sponge actually and um, then he's put together this very close team uh, of people that are are really warm wonderful individuals but people who clearly uh, bolster him off the court as well so his physio his uh what two physical trainers and his hitting partner Uh, And obviously, the team is also his mum and his girlfriend as well. And then agents and managers. It's quite a big team in terms of tennis, but very, very strong unit. And I think he's very, very appreciative of all of the roles that they play within his um, his world.
4: So, again, a fantastic uh, reminder for us. Annabelle talks there about Andy Murray's warm support network. So. So I guess the question is, who's in your dream team and how are you going to connect with them over this? next few weeks and next few months, because it could be that you need to surround yourself with wellbeing experts, loved ones, maybe a financial expert or, or a business strategist if you need some advice around your business that's been put on on hold and you're suffering from those kind of setbacks. Again, the worst thing that we can do is have that freeze mentality where we feel like a victim, it's all being done to us and we feel sorry for ourselves. We have to be proactive. We have to connect with the people that are going to lift us up and and make us feel different and help us to plan and strategize our way out of this particular time. So it could be that you're relying on uh, technology to help you do that with things like Skype or Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Maybe that's a great way to start your day, to connect with your remote team that you're used to working with in the office to give you that predictable rhythm that you've been used to maybe you've got the opportunity to connect in social media with people who talk about topics that you're really passionate about or you get a chance to watch ted talks and and use that time to immerse yourself in a topic that you love and then of course we've all got our own uh, local authority or our government giving us advice on maybe one trip out a day for exercise so we should take advantage of that or maybe to try and speak to a neighbor across the the fence or from their doorway just to make sure that we can smile and say hello and feel physically connected. I know here in the UK last night there was an amazing initiative with everyone standing outside their doors and and clapping at eight o'clock to give thanks to the NHS and the medical support teams that are operating so brilliantly across the, the UK at the moment and that show of solidarity was incredibly heartwarming and, and emotional actually to think that so many people were connected just by clapping outside their their doors to show that appreciation. And then we need to think about maybe our social lives that have been had the volume turned down but maybe we need to connect on something like house party or FaceTime these apps that let us have a drink or a meal with people and and we need to keep having fun. So maybe in your dream team, you're gonna start putting together a a series of calls each night with mates that you haven't seen for years that you can have a good laugh with and they can have a beer and you can have a beer. And that's a great way for you to stay connected through this period and and use this opportunity again in the great pause. So I think one of the things that we often neglect Um, during our frenetic, high-paced world, is to slow down. And we have a unique opportunity now in the great pause to listen. And this interview insight that we did with Gareth Southgate a few years ago stresses the importance of listening. And this is a key part of his leadership style as the brilliant England football manager. Let's listen to Gareth's insight. Well, I think if you want to improve
2: in any walk of life, you've got to listen. Um, I I, I think you listen, observe. um, you, You should usually be able to tell if somebody in your office or in your team, you should know pretty much by how they say good morning, whether they need to have a chat with you and get something off their chest or whether they're fine and they're ready, ready for a day's work. So, um, you've got to be open to new ideas, I think, and, and listen to that. You've got to filter information that comes into you, because you've got to continually make decisions, and um, um, you won't have all the answers to everything. You know, there are. Why employ staff if you're not going to listen to them and 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 take advice from them?
4: So I think the the point is great. And if you are managing a team at the moment, it's going to be more difficult with virtual technology to spend that time almost face to face, if you like. But I think those one-to-ones could be a really good way of doing it, but just taking the time to listen. And I think we have a unique opportunity again now to, without the hustle and bustle and that constant relentless pace, to take our listening to a completely different level. And this is a skill because it's very easy when we're busy rushing between meetings that you're just listening for a gap to speak. As soon as you see the person after a sentence that they've delivered, lean back and the diaphragm starts to bulge as they take a breath in, you're straight in with your comment, which means that you weren't really listening to them. You were just waiting for a gap so that you could fire in your next comment. So that's the shallow level of listening. The moderate level of listening is slightly better, but still very mechanical as we start to listen to their words. So somebody might talk about a particular problem that they've got or maybe how they feel in their health at the moment. And we use that trigger word about where they went on a holiday or a particular project or their particular symptoms to say, right, bang, that's my word. in. oh, yeah, I feel like that as well. So, again, we weren't really listening. We were just listening for a key word and an opportunity to create common ground or to share our opinion but what the great pause is really doing for us is giving us an amazing opportunity to go to this deepest level of listening so people know when you're really listening and when your eyes have glazed over and you're not this opportunity to get close with our families to spend time without any distractions without any rush without phones going and without rushing off to a meeting to actually listen to our family, our friends, our loved ones, our work colleagues about their aspirations, about their fears, about their frustrations and really just listen because that is so valuable to building these stronger relationships and we've got the patience now, we've got the time, so we should absolutely use this to the best of our ability during this period of slow down to listen without any pressure to do anything else. And I absolutely am trying to do that myself with my own family and friends. And on that mention of slowing down, I think one of the critical areas, again, I mentioned it in our timeline chat a few minutes ago, is this ability to manage our energy. And while we know that we should be doing this, again, I think the great pause is giving us a fantastic opportunity for us to practice this. So our next insight comes from Dr. Tara Swart, one of the world's leading neuroscientists. So what I call basic hygiene
3: factors like sleep, nutrition, hydration and exercise. Everybody knows that we should be doing these things. And it can be a bit like, yeah, yeah, of course, I know I should sleep. But what we know now from the neuroscience research is so compelling that it really makes it more frightening to think about not doing those things properly. So let's start with sleep. Um, If you have disturbed sleep overnight. So we're meant to have six to eight hours of good quality sleep. There are some CEOs that say they only need four or five hours and they're sending emails at five in the morning and they've already been to the gym. But that's not okay for most people. So that's not something to be admired and followed. Most people need six to eight hours of solid quality sleep where they go through the various sleep cycles if that gets disturbed at all then you're effectively working with um, an apparent iq loss of five to eight points the next day now most people watching this video can probably still do a really good job with five to eight less you know iq points the next day but an entire night disturbed sleep and that could just be a red eye flight equates to one standard deviation loss of your iq the next day most people couldn't operate on that, whether you're a lawyer, a sportsman, um, a coach, you know, giving service to other people, you're really putting that at risk. What we know that um, happens overnight is that there's a system called the glymphatic system. So not the lymphatic system in the body that cleans out our blood cells, but a system that cleans the cerebrospinal fluid that goes around our brain and spinal cord. And that washing process actually clears out protein plaques and tangles that, if allowed to accumulate, lead to dementing illnesses like Alzheimer's and Parkinson's. So, you know, I've done shift work as a doctor. I travel a lot, jet lag, you know, sleeping on planes. So I really try to ensure good quality sleep every night that I can. And um, the use of napping is also quite helpful. So a 20 minute nap is like literally plugging in your phone battery It will just give you a power boost. A 30 minute nap improves learning and memory in the brain, and a 60 to 90 minute nap improves learning, memory, and actually encourages new connections to form, which um, can unleash creativity in the brain.
4: So again, when will you have an opportunity to catch up on your sleep? We spend so much of our time focused on our impact during the day, but we rarely spend the time prioritizing our recovery off the field or off from work and that's what we've got now so the health benefits are going to be massive and this boost to our immune system and our health and energy is going to be absolutely critical because the current situation even though you might not be commuting is draining you of energy because it's different and it's challenging so we need to lean on some of the insights from our medical experts and well-being experts as well here so some of the interviews that i've been lucky enough to do Um, and the team here at Sporting Edge have collected are from Dorian Dugmore, who's the doctor who looks after many of the UK's top football managers. And he talks about the importance of setting up these lifestyle choices so that if we have a late night where we're drinking a lot to try and cope with the disruption and the change, we're not gonna sleep very well. And then we're gonna wake up feeling groggy. We're gonna crave sugary food. We're gonna be less productive. We're gonna have worse conversations. And that builds the stress and we're into a bad cycle. So we need to think about how each choice, maybe some exercise in the morning, um, you know, some healthy breakfast and healthy snacks, lots of water through the day is actually going to help us to cope. So setting some well-being KPIs around this time is an absolutely critical opportunity for us to emerge with a healthier mind and body. And we've got uh, the head of nutrition for England rugby who was very Uh, lucky to work with, talking about balancing this energy equation. If we were doing 3,000, 4,000 steps previously on our commute, getting off tubes and trains and buses to get to work, so much walking. Now all we're doing is walking from the bedroom to the fridge and to the kitchen table where we work. So we need to be aware of that balance of energy in and energy out again. So uh, maybe we need all to join Joe Wicks on the breakfast exercise show to make sure that we're getting some calories burnt to balance that out in this new world. And Anna West, the sleep expert, talks about creating, again, this consistent routine, that pattern that we've heard earlier, and getting the room nice and cool so that we can set ourselves up for a successful night's sleep. So I really hope that those insights will stimulate some fresh thinking and choices around not just how challenging this is, but how we can recover during this period. And I also think the great pause is giving us a chance to learn. And we're gonna hear now from a digital skills expert from a company called Freeformers, Calista Kuhn, talking about that.
6: I think the skills that businesses need now and in the future is, definitely um, being able to not necessarily know how to use the technologies that are emerging, but to understand the context for these and the potential of the application. If we look at, you know, CEOs to frontline staff, you don't need to know how to write Python or understand code to understand the impact that machine learning will have on your business, on your customers, on return of investments, and how that will shape Um, your economy, essentially, in the future. So being able to understand the context and the application of technology is vital. Another skill that is extremely important, which we overlook often, is ones that have been around forever. But traditionally, we've termed them soft skills, which I think is a little bit of a misnomer, um, because these are the skills, empathy, reasoning, creative problem solving, um, emotional intelligence, that are going to set people up to do the things that the machines can't do. And these are the things that we forget. And they will always, always, always be crucial um, working alongside technology as the economy changes and that landscape changes.
4: So again, a great insight there. And, and so many of us have uh, been forced to work remotely, been forced to embrace digital technology. And, and many of people in the, in the workplace would never have really grasped that opportunity unless they have been forced to do it. But what else could we do more proactively? As Kaliste says, we don't necessarily have to learn a a coding language, but maybe there's some kind of photo editing software that you want to learn, or maybe you want to become an Excel spreadsheet guru, or maybe it's video animation, or something that was going to be really useful for you in the future of your career, that this downtime could give you some opportunity to learn. So think about the demands in your industry in the next five years and what that means for you in your own career and what skills you can have. Maybe it's embracing technology and and some other emerging trends and get that curiosity back and that hunger to learn. I remember doing a, a session with some of the senior football managers recently, for those of you listening. And we were talking about how the modern Premier League has got so many different international cultures in. And the managers were saying that, well, it's going to be increasingly like that, but how many people were actually learning Spanish and French so that they could have great um, conversations with those? Maybe this, you know, an hour a day or half an hour a day or even 15 minutes a day over this next period while the leagues are all shut down could be a great learning opportunity and you come out the other side a much more rounded and, and skillful professional. And just in terms of more learning opportunities with Sporting Edge we've got some more free webinars I'd love to help you you know I hate the thought that people are are isolated and struggling so if we can support in any way then we'd be delighted to I'm I'm really thrilled that my wi-fi signal is bearing up with so many people on which is great but webinars that we're going to run I'm really keen to do something for the parents and children so we're going to do something around the winning mindset for kids on the 8th of April so if that's takes away the pressure for you, um, then that'll be great. We'll talk about confidence and resilience uh, and focus during that time uh, on the 8th of April. On the 1st of May, we're gonna look at the future of leadership. I'm gonna pull some insights out of our digital library from the futurists and the strategists about what we need to be thinking about in this next wave of the next decade, which is changing so much. And then on the 15th of May, we're going to do something on mental health and well-being, which is going to be absolutely critical for us over the coming months as more and more people feel isolated and disconnected. So hopefully you'll find all of those elements really useful. And I'll follow up with a note after this webinar with those dates on and any invites that you might want to join subsequent free webinars from our side. If you're also Uh, really keen to learn as part of the Sporting Edge community. I've given you a bit of a taster today of some of the insights. But we have two programs that run every quarter and they're called digital coaching programs. And this is where I act as your digital coach in the same way as today, actually. But you'll also have access to our digital library. The first is a 30-day program, which is all around resilience and well-being and mental health and motivation. And that's a fantastic course with five-minute videos each morning and a whole array of content below that surface. And the second one is a 12-week leadership program where we get a lot of senior execs and high potentials from businesses involved in that program. And again, we get uh, a slower rhythm. It's a weekly challenge about the future of leadership. And again, more than happy to to enroll you on those if you'd be interested, because they start in May. And again, there could be a good opportunity for you. The other thing that we've done as as an emergency support resource is support our clients with this remote Teams video collection. We've had a number of clients phoning up and saying, we need something to keep everyone motivated and connected during this time. So we've created a a really cost-effective solution around things like mental health and teamwork and productivity and communication. So again, we'll give you the opportunity to access that at a really discounted price. If it supports you, Uh, We've got some huge global businesses that have all been forced to work remotely. So we're just hoping to get the content to them so that every individual has got a support resource for themselves. So um, just to give you some key reflections on the session, I'm going to take some questions in a moment. And I'm also going to stay on the line for an extended period if anyone's got any specific questions. So uh, we may run over slightly. Uh, But that's all fine. So just to recap on what we've covered, we've got to reframe this crisis from being a victim where the world's against us. Well, the world's against everyone at the moment. And that's just the way it is. It's a tragic situation for many families. It's a horrendous situation for many small business owners. It's a terrible situation for most corporate leaders. And even Prince Charles and Boris Johnson have got the coronavirus. So this thing isn't sparing anyone we've got to take it seriously but most importantly we've got to get back in control of what we can do our hygiene our daily rhythms our energy our well-being the way we support our families and our communities we've got to set new goals to either recalibrate our financial forecasts or actually set some expectations uh, and goals for ourselves about our careers In the long term, maybe we want to do something different in five to 10 years, or we want to start setting some shorter term goals to help us to get through the next few weeks. Maybe it's a well-being goal about losing weight or building strength, or maybe it's a particular project that you want to build within your business in the downtime. We've got to think about this blended rhythm and how we manage it so we've got deep periods of focus and we don't allow our frustrations to contaminate out into our family community because previously we would have had the commute and we don't have that anymore. So think about those periods of re-entry and how can we can restructure our day. Annabelle Croft told us about the importance of staying connected to a dream team. Who's going to give you the financial advice, the well-being advice, who's going to give you the support and who's going to give the humor, who's going to have the fun with you. That's going to be absolutely critical during this period. And then we've got that ability to listen in the great pause there's no time pressure so grab a coffee sit on the sofa and listen it could be the best thing we've ever done to get through challenging times in our relationships to help our children everything could be solved if we listen rather than just jumping in at that top level we've got to manage our energy remember tara's point about sleeping when will we ever have a chance to lie in and prioritize our sleep we need to be fighting fit we need to be eating healthily we need to be have great well-being at this time so we can come out and fight this terrible disease and we need to seize the opportunity to learn to stay focused and to have a purpose and if that's part of staying connected to sporting edge then we'd be delighted to help you through all of that period so i'll look to some questions now so if you add in some questions into the search box if you haven't already then I think my colleague Caroline will be able to read a few of those out. But my email is hello at sportingedge.com. If you want to send any personal questions through or if you need any personal support, I'll be delighted to extend that to anyone that's listening. And um, I'll just hand over to Caroline in case we've got some questions coming through.
7: Uh, yes, Jeremy, we've had uh, a number of questions come through, this one from Peter, he's just asking um, regarding the Frank Lampard uh, insight um, whereby he mentioned keeping his goals to himself and he knows others out there, um, it's more powerful to keep those, to um, to share those and to write them down. And was wondering what your view on that
4: was. Yeah, it's a really good point. And, and I think there's a couple of ways clearly that's worked for Frank. Um, You know, to first of all, what I would say is let's get some goals. Let's set some goals, those long term aspirational goals and those short term tactical goals, which will help us to make those high performance choices on the day. Remember, it's our daily disciplines that turn out to be uh, whether we're successful or not, not whether we just have something in our head. We have to actually behave in that way. And as you rightly point out, writing them down makes them exist in the real world rather than just a puff of smoke in our head. And also sharing them with key people around us can be a key way to drive accountability because then we're not um, judged by our intentions that are stuck somewhere at the back of our mind we're actually judged by our commitments and our actions. So it's a great point to move from those internal goals to externalize them and share them so that we're even more accountable.
7: Question come in um, regarding a a client, maintaining motivation is a real problem. Um, They quote, I don't feel like it today, it's been repeated a lot. Um, How can they overcome that?
4: Yeah I mean there's never been a more important time for intrinsic motivation this is where you feel that you can do this without people watching without um you know financial reward this is all about being a self starter and I think that's why I mentioned goals are important structure is important that we actually say you know what is a what is a successful day today for me well, for me it was preparing well for this podcast and this webinar so that we can actually deliver it. We've rehearsed it and we've hopefully um you know delivered a successful experience for you. That was one of my key priorities today. So tomorrow my priority will be completely different. We, we're trying within our family to have a, a normal weekend sort of rhythm so we're going to do different things tomorrow and no work. So I think each day when we wake up or the night before, depending on how you want to structure it, we've got to set ourselves some goals to say, what is successful? What does a successful day look like tomorrow? Um, And then stick to those, because if those goals come from us and we're encouraged by our virtual teams within our business, we are connected and sharing those strategies with our friends in our in our network. Those are really important ways to prop up our motivation. I can see one here that's asking about remote teams. And I think, um, again, one of the key elements there is to try and create a new rhythm. We've spoken a little bit about creating a personal rhythm at home with your working life. But I think it's equally important to keep that rhythm with your working community. So, you know, perhaps a call first thing in the morning at 9 a.m. every morning helps people to get up get showered, get ready for the day, and focus on the three or four key elements that everyone's going to work on around the table, uh, even though it's different tables in this time, um, that they're going to say, right, I'm going to commit to this, I'm going to deliver this, and really reinforcing those interdependencies that if one person is able to deliver this project by lunchtime, then somebody else can access those files and then take it on to the next stage, and then somebody else can come into play in the afternoon. It's it's really... Mm -hmm shining a spotlight, if you like, on the different roles and the clarity and the interdependencies that we've got within our teams that's going to help us to be as accountable in a virtual world as we were when we were sitting around the same desks in our offices in the center of town. We've had a
7: question about uh, multitasking the myth of multitasking uh, for those that are suddenly being asked to uh, keep being full-time employee while being being a part-time teacher for the kids and also keeping the household running
4: well i wish i had a solution to that you know honestly i mean we've seen it in our own house and my wife's been an absolute star in in leading on that side so i think you've either got to designate roles if you can with that or spread it between the two of you uh, as parents. I think you need to set new expectations and I think any employers out there need to have different expectations of their staff I know my team are listening as well but I'm very comfortable with people having distractions and needing to spend an hour with their children or needing to you know do other domestic issues when, when they're coming up during the working day so I just think it's a completely different time we need to agree some new principles. And I think wherever possible with our children, we need to set some boundaries. Now, it may be that with young children, that's really difficult. It may be that with, um, you know, kids from 10 to 14, uh, you know, we, we get them to watch a documentary and give them a bit of a project to say, write out 10 facts on the blue planet and what David Attenborough says or something like that, a little project or it may be that um, we're setting those times for our work where we just say, okay, what's your favorite film? Uh, And I'm in the spare bedroom with a do not disturb sign on and I need to make this call for an hour because it's really critical to my work. So I think it's just, a different awareness, different conversations, and setting up some different expectations during this period. That's probably the, the best that I can say, because I think every family and every, every entrepreneur or every business leader is going to find it you know, difficult in different ways.
7: Uh, we have another question regarding uh, someone that has a lot of employees that are furloughed during this period. So, how can the leaders keep them engaged and motivated so that when they come back into the business, they continue um, to deliver at a high level?
4: Yeah, I, to be honest, I'm not too sure on the regulations with that particular uh, legislation. But what I can say from a psychological point of view is that it's absolutely imperative. That every individual feels like they're waking up with a purpose, and they are moving forward in some way each day or each week through the, the coming period. And I think whether it's um, the ability to allow them some investment to train in these new areas, as I mentioned, maybe it's some, uh, you know, office skills, maybe some Excel or some, um, you know, animation skills or, or, or something like that that allows them to come back to the workplace more highly skilled. I mean, there are so many resources online at the moment. Maybe it's giving them a chance to, um, you know, work on a project that uh, the business has been thinking about, and they can do that in a more relaxed way within their own timelines, but getting them to answer some big questions about customer experience or market trends. Again, we've got to be creative about how we think about this. I don't think there's any one way of doing it, but First of all, from a performance and a productivity point of view, we need people to feel like they've got a purpose and a goal each day. And secondly, and critically at this point, we've got to get people to feel like they are supported. So the worst thing we can possibly do is just leave people to their own devices during this period. We've got to be checking in. We've got to be trying to support them. Again, that listening time is absolutely critical. Do we understand people's frustrations? Is there anything that we can do to let them offload that frustration to us as as leaders in the business? And can we repackage that and be patient with them and help them to restructure it into something positive or at least neutral rather than being negative and destructive during this time? So I think as the days go by, especially those people who fear being isolated, we've got to try and create a new rhythm and dial up that support. You know, there's been challenge You know, for months and months and years and years in so many businesses, and I think this is the opportunity where leaders need to stand up and either invest in their people or invest time in their people to show the support and show the care that they've got so that when this cloud does lift, we can come back and deliver, you know, with happy and healthy and productive people to something that we all want to do. I think we should probably wrap it up there. We've gone over time, but um, I'm more than happy to answer any more questions. So please do connect with me at hello at sportingedge.com. As I mentioned, we've got the podcast there for you uh, inside the mind of champions on our website. We've got those free webinars for you. We've got the remote teams pack that we can send some information out on and those two programs. But my final message here, I guess is that this is an unprecedented time. Never before has the world paused. Never before has the world stopped. And it has right now. And the uh, economy is struggling. Our health is struggling. Our politics is under strain. But our environment is coming back to life. We've heard of you know, fish being seen in, in the canals around Venice. We've heard about smog lifting as the factories and the airlines have closed down. So this is a, a reawakening time for the environment. And I really hope that you can see the great pause as an opportunity for you to learn something new or for you to come back to life. And I know it's an incredibly challenging time for so many business leaders, entrepreneurs, you know, families at this time. So if I can help in any way, please do email me at hello at I hope you found this useful and my challenge to you is use this time to emerge on the other side a happier healthier and more productive person and I wish you every success and we'll see you next time well I hope you enjoyed this special edition podcast the great cause and I hope you found it comforting in this turbulent and uncertain time as ever our mindset is absolutely critical to the way we cope through periods of adversity remember if you need any support for your team please do visit sportingedge.com and you'll see the new remote teams collection which I've created as a special discounted support resource for my network it features 74 of the video clips you've been listening to in this podcast from our digital library which can all be used to boost mental health communication focus and productivity across your entire business while your executives and colleagues work from home it's designed as a simple access resource for a short three-month license so take a look at sportingedge.com for more information on that remote teams collection in the coming weeks i'll also be sharing more webinar dates with you so do connect with me on LinkedIn, or email me at hello at if you've got any questions. If you found this podcast useful, then please do give it a rating on Apple and Spotify. I'd really appreciate that. And thanks so much to Matty G and Toril H11 for taking that extra 60 seconds to write a review. I really, really appreciate the time, guys. So keep in touch. And most importantly, until next time, stay safe, and take care of yourself and your family. We'll see you soon.